There's a scripture that I was reading um, just a few days ago. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And I was like, gosh, why didn't I see this for week one? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. If you do not have a tangible Bible, it is okay. We'll have it projected for you. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as Wise, see then that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly derives from the word circumference, which means an outer boundary pertaining to a circle. So when the Bible tells us to walk circumspectly, it's saying, I need you to understand that life goes in a circle. It is a kingdom law, the law of sowing and reaping. Your life is going to go in a full circle. So then it tells us, so walk wise. Don't be foolish because if I make unwise decisions, that decision is going to go full circle. If I make wise decisions, that decision is going to go full circle. Now, God loves us so much that he gave not only his life, he also gave us the gift of free will. He doesn't want robots. If God would not have given you and given me free will, it would not have been love. But God gave us the gift of free will, and that is the freedom for you to decide the conditions of your tomorrow. For everybody who's like, I, I just can't wait to do what I want. I want to do my own thing. God said, okay, you have the freedom to do that. But understand your free will is the freedom you have to decide the conditions you want to experience on tomorrow. Literally, somebody under the sound of my voice and watching online, you are one decision away from a new life. Just one. Who am I talking to? I feel you. You are just one decision away from a new life. Whatever that thing is that God has been telling you, be decided on it. Don't be indecisive. Decide. Make up your mind. Be committed to this. You have the power to make a decision. You are one decision away from a totally new life. But on the other side of that paradigm, for other of us, other of us in the sanctuary, you are one decision away from experiencing looped pain. One decision away from experience season after season of dealing with the aftermath of that choice you're making right now. One decision away. And I've been saying this week after week, God desires God, like it pleases God. He desires to give us wisdom in the area of our decision making. Can we talk, y'all? Can we talk? God does not want us to experience and go through pain that serves no point for your purpose. What type of father would he be if he did? He is not sitting in his royal throne wanting us to experience pain that has nothing to do with your purpose, nothing to do with your destiny. God doesn't want that for us. God doesn't want us to make choices that spawn storms. Talk Holy Spirit. Some of us are behaving our way into seasons. It's not the devil. It's not even God. It's your choice. And God does not want us to experience, experience storms that have nothing to do with your destiny, nothing to do with your purpose. God doesn't want us to experience retained seasons. 
That is staying in a place longer than you have to. Hear me, guys. It is a reason, there is a reason why the fifth grade chair is bigger than the pre-K chair. Because after a while, your butt should not be able to fit in certain places. There are different sizes because as the seasons go on, you should evolve too. Like you should no longer be able to sit in the chair of prayerlessness. I want to grow. You should no longer be able to sit in the chair of entertaining counterfeit opportunities and counterfeit people. Talk Holy Spirit. Counterfeit opportunities and counterfeit people who are using your heart as a practice field while they find themselves. Somebody say enough. Enough. God wants us to grow. He did not create for you to be a survivalist. I'm talking to somebody. It's possible that you and I have made so many unwise choices, so many poor choices to where we've arrived to this place, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to survive. And I came here this afternoon about to preach out of my clothes and preach until you get it. God did not create for you to just survive. He did not cosmically create you so that you could just survive. He did not say that you are the head and not the tail just so that you could survive. He did not say that you are above and not beneath just so that you could survive. He did not say that you're blessed going in and you're blessed coming out just so that you could survive. He did not call you a royal priesthood just so that you could survive. He did not call you a peculiar people just so that you could survive. He did not allow you to have a birthday just so you could survive. He did not die on the cross just so that you could survive. He is not giving you favor just so that you can survive. He is not giving you blessings just so that you could survive. You were created to thrive. Thrive. Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim? Yes, I do. I came so that you might have life and have life more abundantly. I've created for you to thrive, not just, not just survive. See, when you live life as a survivalist, even trash becomes an option. Did y'all hear what I just said? When you live life as a survivalist, even trash becomes an option. See, when you're used to being in the basement, you mistake the first floor as a mansion. I'm trying to tell you God has more stairs. All right, let me get back to my notes. Back to my notes. Every great fall, please hear me. Every great fall is due to a compilation of bad choices. Every great rising is due to a compilation of wise choices. See, we think the future is tomorrow. Mm-hmm but we actually construct it today with our current choices. Did y'all hear me? We think it's just something that we're going to arrive to, but we actually construct it by the choices that we are making on today. And here's the part we don't like. You cannot experience change without also experiencing loss. It's getting quiet in here. You can't experience change without experiencing loss. This is why some people don't want to change. 
because they know if I change in this area, it will cause for me to lose in that area. If I change and keep my legs locked, it might require for me to lose my bank. And since I don't, y'all don't want to talk to me. And since I don't want to change in that area, it makes sure that I don't lose in that area. You can't experience organic change without also experiencing loss. And sometimes your destiny is directly tied to who you decide to walk away from. Did y'all hear me? Sometimes your destiny is directly tied to who you decide to walk away from. This is interwoven all throughout the fabric of scripture. Abraham had to walk away from his father's house if he wanted to walk into his destiny and become the father of many nations. Ruth had to walk away from her gods and her people if she wanted to walk into her destiny and be discovered by Boaz. Gideon had to walk away from hiding in a wine press if he wanted to walk into being a mighty warrior. Even Jesus had to walk away from his royal throne just for a moment so that he could fulfill his destiny. And you don't think there's something that you don't have to walk away from? What has God been telling you? Walk away from that. See, watch this. Because Samson, destiny was cut short because he didn't walk away from Delilah. Did y'all hear what I just said? You could walk in to something. This is so crazy. Isn't it ironic that the same hand gesture that says hello is the exact same hand gesture that says, y'all preach to me, the exact same hand gesture that says hello is the exact same hand gesture that says goodbye. What if your hello is married to your goodbye? God is saying there's some stuff you won't say hello to if you don't say goodbye to that. Can I get somebody to say bye-bye? Bye-bye. <laughs> Everybody wants God to usher them into a season of blessings where you say hello. <laughs> but then there are certain things that God is telling you to say bye 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 you don't want to say bye to that <laughs> I'm sorry it's just a millennial thing it's just a millennial thing it just comes out I'm sorry y'all pray for me you cannot experience change without experiencing loss so far in this series we've dealt with content teaching us that you have to make peace with your past because it's affecting your decision-making in the current. In this series, we dealt with what do you do when God says no. And if you're going to make effective destiny decisions, you have to be able to identify when God is saying, this ain't it. And his no can be trusted. In this series, we also dealt with you have a purpose. Can I get somebody to say purpose? You have a purpose that you are supposed to be occupied with while you are here in time. If you did not have a purpose, you would not have a pulse. But the fact that you still have a pulse is proof that there is something that you're supposed to be occupied with while you're here. Purpose is your life's bullseye. It is your life's target and once you know it you can begin to aim in the right direction but when you live life and don't know your purpose you will live life aimless we learned that 
We learned in this series last week that all of us have some systems. Mm -hmm. Most of us caught it in our childhood from our household. And the reason we had to go that route is because the household is the epicenter of society. Whatever is in concert with the house will always be in concert with, this, with society. Godless homes are setups for godless people. Emphasis on setup because where you were raised is not a verdict for your destiny. Right? Yeah, we clap on that. I understand. However, where you were raised does point you in a direction. So we had to deal with our cherith season. God wants to address our systems because our systems are affecting our decision making. However, on today, God is so cold, y'all. I did not, like this year, I did not plan this. I did not plan to speak a message about the Holy Spirit on Palm Sunday. <laughs> All I knew was key encounters in January. I didn't know what was next. On today, I would like to speak about one of the most magnificent, marvelous, mighty, powerful, but yet one of the most misunderstood, bad teaching when it comes around him, misinformed and distorted views in our Christian faith, and that is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. He is fully God, and he is a he, not a it. All right, it's time for us to unlearn, okay? I want to speak to us about the Holy Spirit because I'm convinced what my generation needs is the power of the Holy Ghost. What our churches need is the power of the Holy Ghost. What our preaching need is not jokes and not inspiration. We need God breathe, Holy Spirit breathe, rhema word, sound doctrine. What our marriages need is the power of the Holy Ghost. What our college students need is the power of the Holy Ghost. What our teenagers need is the power of the Holy Ghost. What our singles need is the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand in John chapter 16, verse 7, he is referenced as a helper. In John chapter 14, verse 26, he's referenced as a comforter. In John chapter 16, verse 8, it lets us know that he is the convictor of our sin. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, he is the sealer of promises. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it references him as a guide. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it references him as an intercessor. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it also references him as a teacher and as a counselor. I can't speak for anybody else, but I don't want to make decisions without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I don't want to make decisions without my helper, without my inner knower, without my counselor, without, without my, I don't want to make decisions on my own logic. And see, okay, now's the part why I need everybody to unlearn some stuff, okay? This is one reason why Satan traffics so much in confusion when it comes to conversations and understanding of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now remember, God is not the author of confusion. So if it breeds confusion, who is authoring it? 
All right. God is not the author of confusion, but this is why I believe the enemy traffics so heavily in confusing us when it comes to conversations about the Holy Spirit because he does not want you to have this next level power. He does not want you to have this next level counselor. He does not want you to have this inner knower. You know why? Because it'll be easier for us to identify when Satan's behind something. So he doesn't want us to have and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. So he is behind the Holy Spirit being seen as fanaticism. He's behind that. Not, don't let people lie to you and say, oh, church was great. And everybody over here low-key twerking and falling on the floor. And somebody lays a blanket over them. But they get right back up and they're still mean. They get right back up and they still curse people out. They get right back up and they still smoke weed. Y'all don't want to talk. They get right back up and they still fornicating. They get right back up like you have no conviction. We just read clearly in John chapter 16. Verse 8, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Now, okay, so this means whenever you are about to deliberately sin, I'm going to just use me, the rest of y'all holy. I'm going to make myself as an example. I, I just learned people prefer a pastor who's real than a pastor who always tries to be right. So I'm going to use me. Y'all look, look holy. Whenever there are times... When I'm about to deliberately disobey, you literally have to ignore. Y'all don't want to talk to me. You have to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. You have to try to figure out ways to turn his voice down. Why do we keep saying there's this still small voice? My Holy Spirit is loud. Why are you texting back? Don't you look at them. They drove past you. Don't say nothing. Just keep on driving. <laughs> this is one of the signs that you have the Holy Spirit is because every time you try to deliberately disobey or deliberately live in rebellion, you get convicted. There's a problem when we claim to be in Christ, claim to be a follower of Jesus, and you feel no conviction. Like none? What you feel with? Gas? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is going to let you know this isn't right. This is why, oh, I'm getting super ahead of myself. This is why in your marriage, you want your spouse to be spirit-filled. Because there's sometimes I apologize to Tanisha, not because of a five love languages, not because of a love tank or a love bank. It's because in prayer, the Holy Spirit said, you wrong. You're wrong. And this is why I don't know how anybody could want to be married to somebody who does not love Jesus because the Holy Spirit convicts me when I'm wrong, but who convicts the carnal man? Who convicts the ratchet woman? Who convicts, y'all don't want to talk to me? Who tells them your volume is a little too high, bro? Who tells them, okay, you shouldn't talk to your husband like that? Who tells them that? I don't want to have any relationship outside of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Look, y'all, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This tells us some things that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. 
is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So when I'm about to do things, that's ratchet. I hear my holy voice, my Holy Spirit say, you're not being patient. Y'all ever been hearing somebody talk and you hear, don't say nothing. Right? right? Happened to me Friday, right? You ever feel like you sweating like me because you want to say something, but you feel something saying, you better not open your mouth. <laughs> this is the fruit. So how, how are people passing out? Just hear me. Just hear me. I want you to think. Twerking. Passing out. Have a blanket laid over them and watch this. There is nowhere in the Bible where that has ever happened. There is nowhere 66 books, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. You will not see anybody be filled with the Holy Spirit and pass out when somebody lay a blanket over them. Research it. Where do we get this stuff from? It's fanaticism and Satan is behind it. He's behind it. I need you to unlearn. Why is he behind this? Because it also prompts fear. You see somebody jerking and doing all this and they pass out. And you're like, okay, if, if, if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want that, bro. I'm, I ain't never walking around. I don't want that. <laughs> I ain't never passed out. I don't want that. And so we will walk away from a gift Walk away from a counselor, a guide, a intercessor because somebody else presented the Holy Spirit as fanaticism. No, no, no change in their life. Look, the Bible, the Bible just breaks, this stuff, breaks stuff down. Look, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, now, um, listen, the works of the flesh, oh, they're obvious, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also tell you in time past, that those who practice, wanna stop here, practice means this is your routine. Most of us in here, you probably fornicated before. You probably got tipsy before. Okay, but do you practice it? Why don't we have preachers who tell the truth? Practice. It is my constant routine of getting drunk. It is my constant routine of fornicating. It is my constant routine of hating people. It is my constant routine of racism. Paul says, listen, I warn you. Like I've warned before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see that? That's not me. And the reason preachers don't preach this is because they're guilty of this. The reason why preachers don't preach about the Holy Spirit is because they're not... They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I do not want to be a spiritual leader or a spiritual servant that serves ignorant people. I want you to have biblical intelligence so that when you see something that is claiming to be Jesus, you know your Bible so that you can say that is not the Bible of the gospel. That is not the Jesus of the gospel. That's not the Holy Spirit. It's not passing out, falling out. Have somebody lay a blanket on you. Get up, but you can't find that nowhere in scripture. And then live exactly the same. Exactly the same. And due to this fanatical presentation, many of us in here and watching online have literally said, I don't want to be filled. I don't want to be filled because if, if that's what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't want it. Hell tries to use fear because the camp of hell fears a spirit-filled Christian. If I can get them to have a problem with the gospel, I'll never have to worry about them being my problem. <laughs> If I can get for them to not want the helper, I can place decisions before them and they won't have help. They'll have to go on what they think, what somebody told them, or what their mama in them said. So you can't even make choices in your life from a place of God saying, hey, this isn't me. So you have to understand the Holy Spirit operates in the beyond. Okay? In the beyond. And there are going to be choices in your life that are beyond your logic. I wouldn't roll a dice and play paper, rock, scissors when I'm confronted with a decision that is beyond my understanding right now. I need some help. I want to speak for just a few more moments around this thought from this subject for part five of this series let me help you. Let me help you. I just want to pray. God, help us to unlearn everything that we have learned about you incorrect. Help us to desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would we want to reject this gift? I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to breathe on this moment in time so that your people can be filled and so that we could have the counselor, we could have the guidance, we could have the wonderful helper of the Holy Spirit, which is fully God. We're asking that you do it. Anoint my lips to be the oracle of heaven. All the study means nothing. If you aren't seen, magnified, and glorified, and everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout amen. amen. Now I want us to see a passage of scripture. And Luke chapter 24, you could turn there. Luke chapter 24, we're going to launch our reading at verse 44. If you do not have a Bible, it'll be on the screens for you. And everybody online, it'll be in the lower thirds. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. It says, then he, this is speaking of Jesus. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law 
of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened, there it is, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. We're going to deal with that next Sunday. God already gave my message. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach a message called, what about next Sunday? <laughs> Y'all here today, what about next Sunday? Anyway. Um, verse 47, it says, and that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to some people, to a few people, to like a group of people, to all. So this is critical when we are dealing with church selection. If they're not preaching repentance, the gospel and remission of sins, it just says it should be preached in his name to what? All nations. Beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high a verse of emphasis a clause of concern I want you guys to say it with me can I get us to say but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power on high. So tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. Tarry in Jerusalem. Tarry. Tarry means to wait on. Wait on or to wait for. So wait for this power that I'm going to give you that comes from on high. This making sense. Terry here. See, I wonder, could this be one of the reasons why our situation hasn't changed? Because you trying to make moves so that you can stunt and flex, but God is trying to give you power so you can make power moves and fix? Y'all miss what I just said. Maybe you're so frustrated because you're trying to make moves so you can flex on them. <laughs> you want to post this. They're going to see this. And God's like, no, I want to give you power so that you can make power moves and fix. Because purpose is a fixer. Thank you for the one golf clap. There's some things in the earth that I need you to fix. And I need to give you some power so you can fix it. You can't do this in your own strength. Can somebody say power? <laughs> you can't do this in your own strength. You need some power. I know that you don't like the season you're in. I know it's uncomfortable, but Terry, just trust me. I know that you want your situation to change, but just Terry, trust me, wait, wait on it. I know that you thought that you would be further down the line by now, but just, just wait on it, just, just Terry. I know that you thought that your life would look different, but I need you to just Terry. I know you prayed against this and you asked God to remove it. You even tried to rebuke it, but you cannot rebuke that which God is using to give you power. Trying to help us. Could it be that God is not holding you back? That this is not punishment from your former? This is not even the devil. We give him too much credit. This is the place where I give you power. 
Because what I'm about to do in the earth, hear me y'all, what I'm about to do in the earth and what I'm about to do in your life, you're gonna need some power for this next season. You're gonna need some power. Without this power, you won't be able to have the longevity or the effectiveness to survive. I need you to have power, not just to survive, but to also thrive. I know you think you know enough, but for what I'm gonna do in your life, you need some power. This is not nobody holding you back. This is not even the devil. <laughs> this is the process. This is not even the devil. We always rebuke stuff we don't understand. This is the process. This is what it feels like when God is giving you some power. Some power. And this is why it's so dangerous for us to want next level without being equipped. I'm going to keep going. Here it is. You already know. Here we go. This is why it's so dangerous for us to want influence, but don't want to receive instruction. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is why it's so dangerous for us to attend a church that gives us inspiration, but not impartation. In other words, don't tell me stuff that sounds good. Give me sound doctrine. This is why it's dangerous to be surrounded by people who like you, but they don't grow you. This is why it's dangerous to have a gallon-sized dream but a pint-sized team. This is why it's dangerous for you to want to be birthed but don't want to go through every trimester necessary so that you could be fully developed. Jesus was telling his disciples, I know you got passion. I know you got zeal. I know you kind of messed up because just a few days ago you saw me bloody and mutilated on the cross and now I'm standing before you resurrected as a lion out of the tribe of Judah. I know that you could preach. You've been in the best seminary for the last three years walking with me. I know that you're passionate, but what you are going to need for the next season of your life is the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, you heighten your chances of making destiny decisions that are making destiny decisions, choices that are conducive for your destiny when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why not having a prayer life is dangerous. Hear me, whenever a prayer life is not priority, peace will always be absent. Can I go a little deeper? Prayerlessness enthrones deception. You put a crown on deception's head and make him king over your life when you're prayerless. Prayerlessness is the highest form of arrogance. I got this, God. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know what choice to make. I know who to marry. I know what business to start. I know what, I, I got this, God. I don't need to pray. It's the highest form of arrogance. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we are facing a staggering problematic and troublesome issue in Christendom today, especially Western Hemisphere Christianity. Because since going higher requires more. There it is. There it is right there. Since going higher requires more sacrifice. 
It requires more death to self. It requires more fasting. It requires more prayer. It requires more serving. Since it requires more and we don't want to do, do more, we have settled with being Christians that are content with being saved but powerless. Save me, don't change me. Content. So it's not a shock to us when we experience words in church that doesn't set your heart ablaze. Because we have become people who are conditioned with being saved. My name is written in the Lamb Book of Life, but powerless. <laughs> this is exactly where the enemy wants us because he doesn't care about your profession. Listen, church, please hear me. He doesn't care about you professing to be a Christian. He just doesn't want you to have power. He doesn't care that you downloaded the Bible app on your phone. He just doesn't want you to read it or listen to it and apply it so that you can have power. He doesn't even care that you want to get married, y'all. He'll send you a spouse. <laughs> He'll send you one. He just doesn't want you to marry on purpose and get some power so that you'll actually become a power couple. That's a power couple, not because I got a whole lot of money in the bank, but we're both filled with this power. That's a power couple. He doesn't even care that Jesus is the good shepherd. He just wants us to be goat-like and not sheep-like. Yeah. Baby goats and baby sheep look just alike in the beginning. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem, Mom. Maybe we're more concerned with looking like than actually being like. Hmm. Maybe this is why we post things that make our life look... Y'all don't want to talk to me. You know you don't look like that in real life. You know... All right. All right. <laughs> baby goats and baby sheep look just alike in the beginning. Oh, but they have two totally distinct different natures. The sheep will listen. The sheep will follow the shepherd. The sheep can be guided. Oh, but that, that goat, that goat's going to talk back. That goat's going to cram. That goat is going to do what it wants to do. That goat is going to tell you, I'm grown and you can't tell me what you think I should do. And I have Jesus in my life for myself. And don't you try to tell me I need to unlearn because I know the Bible. I've been in church my whole life. And then they'll start grabbing air. What you talking about? You know, I know God. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, maybe, maybe this is why people have such a problem when we call sin, sin. But maybe this is why when we call lesbianism or homosexuality and also heterosexual sin a sin, they got a problem with it. Maybe this is why they call, they have a problem when we say injustice is a sin and racism is a sin. It's because Jesus told us in John chapter 10 verse 27, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Could it be the reason this doesn't sit so well with some of us is because we might not be sheep, but we might be. Hmm. The reason this conversation about next level is so needed is because there is a power that we have access to. Hear me. We have access to it. But 
you have to understand that comfort zones and callings will never be friends. Comfort zones and callings will never be friends. Could I be surrounded by goats that are my friends? And this is why I don't even look or think about having this next level power. You know what the problem with most of our churches is? It's filled with goats. And the reason why we're not seeing the miraculous and we're not seeing the wonder and we're not seeing the glory is because even in the pulpit, the pastor. And so we have goats leading goats. Now listen, if you know anything about the Bible, it was not the kings who had the oil. We have pastors wanting to be kings versus shepherds and servants. It was not the kings who had the oil. It was the prophets. The prophets came and they would tell you, thou art the man. The prophets would come and tell you, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. They didn't come and tell you, well, you're going to get a house. Well, you're going to get a car. If you read the Bible, prophets were feared. They were feared. What has happened to our doctrine? I'm like, we can't be reading the Bible. Prophets were the one that possess the oil. I don't want to have a lot of followers and no oil. I'm not saying that we're a perfect church, but I am saying we got some oil up in here. Some oil. Comfort zones and callings will never be romantically involved. You got to understand the context of this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 24 when Jesus told them to go tarry in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the most hostile place in the world at that time when it came to following Jesus. I mean, my God, Jesus, they just killed you. They just killed you. And if you read the scriptures, you'll see when Jesus was heading back up to Jerusalem, the disciples were like, oh, you sure you want to go hear Jesus? Remember last time they almost tried to kill you. And Jesus says, go tarry in Jerusalem. (laughs) Go tarry in the most hostile place. Watch this. Go wait in a hard place because that's going to be your power place. Are y'all catching this? The place that you think you should run from, run to. That's why I'm going to give you power. It's almost as if God likes putting us in Red Sea type of situations. It's almost like God likes putting us in Lion's Den type of situations. It's almost like God doesn't care about you having enemies because he told us, I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies and anoint your head with oil. We're so caught up with the enemies at the table that we don't see this is where you're getting oil. it's it's like God likes putting us in the fireplace until I saw from the text when the three Hebrew boys went in the fire it wasn't just a fireplace it was a meeting place there's a certain level of preach you get once you've been in the fire there's a certain level of worship you get once you have been in the fire there's a certain level of love your marriage gets once you have been in the fire there's a certain level of praise you get once you have been in the fire you're calling it a hard place but God is saying that's your power place that's why I'm going to give you some power 
So for all runners in the room, you could be running from your power place. This is the place that I want to give you some power. I believe this is why one reason the coming of the Holy Spirit it happened in the upper room and not the lower. This is one reason why I believe the, the transfiguration of Jesus happened on the mountaintop and not in the valley. It's because valley people can't handle mountaintop climates. The wind blows harder up here. It's colder up here. It's frigid up here, but it's power up here. All of us who run from the places of difficulty, could that be your power place? Like, okay, I think about this, all right? Lord, please don't let me catch our church on fire. All right. God wants us to have power. Can I get somebody to say power? power. When you try to do things on your own effort, you burn for a moment. But when the wind of adversity comes in your life, your flame gone. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you were faithful and you were trusting God. You got on fire from that event, from that concert. But when the wind of adversity blew in your life and you started to feel some difficulty, your fire went out. When you were trying to do things in willpower, you will hear a sermon like this, and oh yeah, it catches your heart on fire for a moment until you drive on 290 and somebody cuts you off and that wind of adversity starts to come and it just puts your fire all the way out. <laughs> but the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is when you have something on the inside of you. So even when the wind blows, you're still burning. Even in a pandemic, you're still burning. Even through trials, you're still burning. Even through hardships, you're still burning. No, it didn't put my fire out. The divorce didn't take my fire out. No, it didn't set me back. Yeah, it hurt, but I'm still burning. I didn't like it, but I'm still burning. It was difficult, but I'm still burning. Even when you face the hardship, the wind of adversity, there's something on the inside that keeps you burning. God wants us to have that type of fire to when even you get hit, you're still burning. Even when you experience loss, you're still burning. Even when they walk away, you're still burning. Even when you get laid off, you're still burning. The loss of a loved one, you're still burning. Hard trial, still burning. So now, I want to touch on some stuff. I need us to listen. If you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 14. I'm going to read one verse in the New King James and the exact same verse in the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 14. Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. So now, let's read the exact same verse in the Amplified Bible, okay? Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive because it does not understand what my spirit is praying. Then what am I to do? I will pray with the spirit, that is, by the Holy Ghost that is within me, and I will pray with the mind. 
using words I understand. I will sing with the Spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I will sing with the mind using words I understand. Okay, so Paul is letting us know that there are two layers of prayer right here. There is a layer of prayer that matches your understanding. So you're praying, God, forgive me of my sins. You understand what you're saying. God, protect my children. You understand what you're saying. God, bless my business. You totally understand what you are saying. That's one layer. And then he says, but I also pray in a tongue that I do not understand. Why? Because the spirit operates in the beyond. It is beyond my understanding to comprehend what I'm saying right now. But it's not me, it is the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that has activated for me to speak in tongues. Okay? Now, there are certain religious groups and certain denominations that will take this passage and say, okay, Paul is saying don't do it because this has expired with the office of the apostles. It is no longer needed. But if you read the Bible, there is nowhere in Scripture that said the power of the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in tongues has been eliminated. Nowhere in Scripture. And that's also foolishness because if you limit your life and your prayer life to things that you only understand, you are limiting the barometer of God's miraculous work in your life to your logic. I need us to think. I need us to think. If you say, I only have to be able to understand it, you are limiting what God can do through your life to your intellect. Now we know that can't be true because Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what prayer to offer. So it can't be all about your understanding because sometimes you don't even understand what you need to pray. Bible, compliment Bible. We do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with signs, with sighs and groaning too deep for words. That means it is beyond your understanding. Okay, now listen to me. So this means if your life and your prayer life only operates by the barometers of your understanding, you limit how miraculous God can do things in your life that you don't understand. Okay? This is how we have agnostics and atheists because everything in their life has to orbit around what they understand. This is why we have people who try to even worship the universe because in some way and somehow I could kind of understand this. But, but what you going to do when Jesus hits you with a uh, John chapter 13, verse 7 type of vibe? When Jesus says, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. <laughs> what are you going to do when Jesus does something in your life you don't understand? You know why we quit? We don't understand. 
We give up because we don't understand. When it gets hard, we walk away, we don't understand. We stop praying when we don't understand. So we are going to limit how miraculously God can use us or do something in your life to your cerebral grasp. It is handcuffed and held hostage to your logic. <laughs> if I don't understand it, I can't do it. But I'm telling you now, there's a whole lot of stuff God told me to do, and I didn't understand it. But now I'm looking at y'all on a Sunday and like, oh, okay, I get it. But I didn't understand it in November of 2019 when he said, try me. I don't have to understand everything to trust him. So look, look, we have a problem, y'all, because the spirit is outside of understanding. All right. But logic is inside of understanding. So anyone who tries to operate only in logic will never experience the beyond. Yes. Trying to help us, y'all. God wants to take you to realms beyond your understanding. Matter of fact, let me mess you up. If you don't even recognize, if I don't limit my life, if I limit my life just to logic, there's a peace you'll never have. There's a caliber of peace you will never have if everything you have to understand. I'm going to give you a Bible to prove it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Are y'all seeing this? Yes. All understanding will guard your what? Hearts and mind through who? Christ Jesus. So you having a peace in your mind and your heart that God can give you that surpasses your understanding? Could you imagine how Peter would have looked? When Jesus said, all right, come on, step outside the boat and walk to me. And Peter was like, I would, but there's something called gravity. I understand gravity. He would have missed an opportunity for the miraculous. And a lot of us are missing miraculous moments because we only live in our understanding. This is so good, y'all. And so what does Paul say? He says, you know what? I'm going to pray in the spirit which I don't understand and I'm also going to pray with words I do understand so there's there's layers here of prayer now I also want us to see this Mark chapter 16 verse 17 some of us didn't even know this is in the Bible Mark chapter 16 verse 17 Jesus he says and these signs will follow those who believe in me who believe in in my name, they will cast out demons. Uh-oh, they will speak with a new tongue. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That doesn't match my understanding. So either he's lying or my understanding is limited. Either Paul was lying or our understanding is limited. So I want to break down layers of tongues so that we can fully understand this. The first layer of tongues is when I'm speaking in my native tongue and other people in other languages can hear me in their native tongue. Okay? This, this really honestly doesn't need to happen in a setting like this because most of us speak English. 
But when I'm in an atmosphere where there's a whole bunch of different dialects and languages, it is possible for the Holy Spirit to anoint me in that moment so that when I'm speaking, even in my native language, you hear me in yours. So I'm going to show you Bible so you don't think I'm lying. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, look at this, y'all, Jews, devout men from every nation, okay, under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galilean? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born. So this is, and it still has happened to certain people who do mission trips. This is the tongues where I'm speaking in a tongue and you only know another tongue, which is your language, Portuguese, whatever, but you hear me in your language. Okay, that's the first layer. The second layer of speaking in tongues is when there's an interpretation there. I wanna show you this. First Corinthians chapter 14, once again, I have to show you all of this so y'all can see I'm not taking nothing out of context. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 starts off by saying, so it was with you if you speak with words in an unknown tongue that are intelligible and clear, how will anyone understand what you are saying? You will be talking into the air, wasting your breath. There are, I suppose, great many kinds of languages in the world unknown to us, and none is lacking meaning, but if I do not if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will appear to be in a foreigner to the one who is speaking since he knows exactly what he is saying and the one who is speaking will appear uh, to be a foreigner to me. So it is with you since you are very eager to have spiritual gifts and manifestations of the spirit, strive in excellence in a way that will build up the church spiritually. Therefore, let one who speaks in the tongue pray that he may be gifted to translate or explain. So that's simply saying, okay, right now, if y'all never heard this material before, ever, you are unlearned, unchurched, and all of us in here speaking in the tongue, somebody can be like, what's going on? This, this is kind of different. So Paul is saying, okay, use that gift for the building up of one another. Everything has a language. Like if a dog comes up to me right now, let's say it's a, a Rottweiler, and it goes, Roof. that means run, Negro. That's <laughs> what it means to me. To you, it might mean, hey, kid. No. To Jerry, run. <laughs> but look, to another dog, that meant something. But to me, it just means run. So he said, okay, I don't, want, I don't want people to be confused. And if you look at verse 19, it says, nevertheless, in public worship, I would rather say five understandable words in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue which others cannot understand. So Paul is just simply saying, listen, they don't understand this. They don't understand this. So if that happens, make sure that there's somebody who has the gift to interpret the tongue. If that doesn't happen, it's probably going to confuse people and probably think, you know, they're spooky. So, so let's not do that. But if we're all together and we are learned and we know and we're speaking in tongues, that's totally fine because we understand. Do we understand this? All right. The last layer we kind of already covered was when, when Paul was saying, listen, 
Sometimes I pray in which I understand. And then sometimes I pray in a language I don't understand. So what am I going to do about this? He tells us exactly what he's going to do. In verse 15, he says, I'm going to pray in the spirit all the more. And I'm going to pray when my mind could understand it. And I'm also going to pray when I don't understand it. Are y'all seeing this? It's not super deep. And the church has taken it, not every church, but a lot of churches have taken this out of context. So we fear what's happening. But if you could understand it, it's like, okay, I, I get it. I get it. It's, it's a power. The Holy Spirit, he wants to give us this power, this guide, this counsel. So now the question on the table is for those who are like, okay, um, I've never done that. I've never done that. Does that mean I'm less powerful or does that mean I, God's not being fair? You have to understand, everybody has different gifts. I have the gift of teaching. I don't have the gift of interpreting tongues. And I'm not like, man, God, he left me out because he didn't give me that gift. I know my gift. Teaching and preaching, exhort, like I know my gift. And I'm okay with that gift. But just for clarity so that we can understand, I need you to think. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 it's Paul again. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. Hold on. How do you know if you're making a request if you're speaking in tongues? You see, I don't understand that. So obviously this right here is talking about pray in in the Greek. It means to be in sync with. Be in sync with the spirit. Literally, somebody in here woke up in the middle of the night and you felt led to pray for somebody. I don't know what it is going on with mama. I don't know what Jerry and Tanisha are going through, but I'm going to just pray for them. You are praying in sync with what the spirit desires. You don't know where this unction came from, but it is a spirit saying, you need to pray for your brother right now. You need to pray for your sister right now. So I'm praying in the spirit, meaning in sync or with the help of the spirit. There might be times you know exactly what to pray and I don't. So I could exercise my gift of speaking in tongues because I don't know what to pray. But you might have the revelation and God tells you this is what to pray. And so you're able to pray in the spirit. So nobody's missing out. Does this make sense? We all have gifts. We all have gifts. Pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Three points and I'm done. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the upgrade. You tired of getting deceived? You need the Holy Spirit. Tired of being hurt and broken? I need the Holy Spirit. It's going to convict me. The reason God hates sin so much is because it hurts you. Don't you hate to see loved ones hurt themselves? He hates sin because he hates what it does to those he loves. The Holy Spirit is that convictor of sin. It's the upgrade. You want to go to another level in 2022? You want to boss up in 2022? You want to get your spirit man on steroids this year? I need the Holy Spirit. And you could be filled with the Holy Spirit and not necessarily speak in tongues because it's a gift. Now look, number two, 
The Holy Spirit produces a changed life. See how it's getting real quiet in here? I had to exegete y'all where y'all can understand it. Because I'm tired of us saying, I don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must not understand this upgrade. He produces a changed life. And last point, God, the Holy Spirit. The reason I wanted to say that is because God is three persons. Each person is fully God. God is one. Jerry is a husband. I'm a father. And I'm a son. Three in one. Still the same person. That makes sense. This next level that God wants to take us to is to make sure my people are filled with the spirit. Terry in Jerusalem, it's not hard. It's not what certain religions, you know, taught us. Just tear it, just tear it, just tear Once I ask Christ to come into my life and I believe it, he gives us that help. 